I'm turning this evening to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5 and verse 36. Luke 5, 36. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And our subject is conversion to God, the great change. Now the Lord is at Capernaum at this time, and great crowds are flocking to hear him preach, literally thousands. He's carrying out his great compassionate miracles. We read that he had just uh, carried out that amazing healing where the four men let a man sick with a palsy down through the roof of a house in order to get the attention of the Lord because they could find no other access. And there he is in his healing ministry, preaching ministry, preaching the need for repentance and remission of sin, as is repentance and taking away of sin by the power of God. Now at that point, the scribes and the Pharisees who are always around looking for trouble, there's already been one attempt to take his life. This is very early in the gospel record in the preaching of Christ. The scribes and the Pharisees are there and they're trying to find fault in the methods and the teaching of Christ. And he answers them with this short parable. It's 36 words long in our version. So it's extremely short. It's not the shortest, but it's one of the very short parables. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. Well, of course not. That would attract attention, those words. Literally, no man tears from a new garment a piece to use it as a patch on an old garment. What a crazy thing to do, to ruin a new garment. And don't forget, we're talking about the times of Christ, when a garment might be an entire robe, something in those days that would be expensive to come by. Everybody wore them, of course, but these garments had to last. And it wasn't as today where all these things are relatively cheap in relation to incomes. But what a crazy thing to take a precious, valuable, new cloak or coat and to tear a piece out of it in order to repair a threadbare garment which is near the end of its life. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, if they do, then... Both the new maketh a rent, the new is torn and becomes useless, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. Well, the old is faded and threadbare and worn, and the colour has gone, and it's stained, and you put on it 
a patch from something which is new, which is bright and substantial and thick. And uh, it's ridiculous. The new patch would just draw attention to the state of the old garment. And as soon as you went to wash it, in those days there would be different shrinkage rates. One was shrunken already and the other not. Why, it's a mess. It's an absurdity. Nobody in those very careful days would have done such a thing. And the parable has a message. And I would think probably a fairly easy to understand message to the scribes and the Pharisees, the clergy of the time in the Jewish church who were so critical. They wanted to keep their positions. Here was this great one. He was the Messiah, of course, but they couldn't accept that. They didn't want to believe that. If he was the Messiah and he was preaching and he calling them hypocrites and false teachers, why, it was the end of the road for them. And they wanted to keep their positions and keep control of the temple in Jerusalem and the synagogues in the town of Capernaum. They didn't want to be dislodged and lose their, their place and their income. So they opposed him and tried all they could to bring him down and to criticize him. But uh, obviously there was no mixing the message of Christ, which was repent and truly find the Lord and come into a true relationship with God and have your life changed by him and be his disciple and follow him. There was no mixing of that with the religion of the scribes and the Pharisees. They'd corrupted the Jewish religion and all the ceremonies and things that took place in those days, they were supposed to be pictures of salvation and of God's mercy and kindness and what Messiah would do when he came. Instead of which, this is what they did with all the ceremonies. They said the important thing is for us to meticulously keep all these ceremonies and in following the ritual, as it were, very carefully in doing that, we shall learn the favor of God. So the pictures taught them nothing. They simply used the Old Testament worship in their pride as a means of thinking, we can earn God's favor. We can earn the way to heaven and glory. So there was a mismatch. They were teaching a proud salvation of works. I can do it. I can earn God's favor. Christ was teaching the need to repent of your sin and be freely forgiven and given a new life and a new start. They're opposites. Is it, is it works or is it grace? And by the way, that is the difference between religions to this day. There are whole religions that are all about works, really. Do this, do this, do it this way. Follow this ceremony. Perform this ritual. Follow these actions through the day and every week. And by this and your loyalty to your group, you will win God's favor. And then there's the faith of the Bible, which says the opposite. You can't earn God's favor. We're too bad. We need free forgiveness. 
We need for a saviour who is God to have come from heaven, taken the guilt of our sin, been punished in our place, taken our punishment so that he can forgive us freely and then put life into us, spiritual life, and relate us to God. Is it by works or is it by grace, the way in which we come to God? And this illustrates this. Of course, it has a first application to the Jews of those days. I don't want to complicate our evening, but something that had pretty well only just happened at the time of this, very early in Christ's ministry, and just recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 3, Christ had had an encounter with a Jewish leader, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus had visited him by night because it was embarrassing for him to visit Christ and be seen by people doing so. So he visited by night. What was Nicodemus, the leading Pharisee, or one of them, up to? Well, he was negotiating with Christ. He marveled at the miracles of Christ. And he says to Christ, no man can do these miracles that you do unless he's sent from God. And he began his negotiation, or so it seems he did. But Christ broke in before he could say anything further, and he said this. He said, you cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again, born from above. Now you see, there was a Pharisee. What did he want? He wanted to say, I should... This is my speculation, but I can't see any other way. He wanted to say to Christ, you know, we, could, we need your miracles and your power. Why don't you join with us? The, the crowds are seeing you as teaching something quite different from what we teach. Why don't we join together, collaborate, just tone down your teaching that's what I believe he would have said. Tone it all down and work your miracles. And we will go on running the temple and the synagogues and the Jewish states. We will stay in charge. We will keep our position. And we'll kind of work together. A compromise. That's what I think Nicodemus was after. But he was cut off by Christ in this sense. Nicodemus... These are not the words, but this is the upshot of it. You need to be born again. You think you're a leading Pharisee, and you are, and you think that makes you close to God. It doesn't. You need a new life. You need forgiveness of sin. You need to be born again. That is the upshot of what Christ said to him. This parable, spoken so soon afterwards, speaks to that situation. You cannot take a bit of Christ, like a bit out of a new garment, and tear it out, or we'll have his miracles, and patch it on your church, which believes you can earn God's favor by your precise following of the ceremonies. You can't do that. That's the old garment. 
That's got to go. It's wrong. What God gave them through Moses wasn't wrong, but they distorted it and changed it to their liking. That's the old. It's got to go. You can't patch it. It's too bad. But this also applies to us as individuals. How do we find God? How do we come to him? Do we have to earn our passage? No. You have to come to him for free salvation and to be changed altogether. Let's apply the parable to us individually. Here it is again. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If you've never been converted, if you've never truly found the Lord and discovered a new life from him, then we are represented by this old garment. It's old, friends. It's threadbare. It's an old threadbare garment. It's no good anymore. It's ignorant of God. That's me before I'm converted. That's what I was. Ignorant of God. I've got a fallen heart, a fallen nature. I sin all the time. I can do some good things, but the corruption of sin is within me. And the trouble is it's in all of us whether it's lies or pride or selfishness or greed or hostility or violence, whatever it is, we're full of sinful tendencies. And God is holy, holy and perfect beyond our grasp. We cannot relate to him and have his favour. We're an old, threadbare garment. You can't take a bit of the Christian message and tack it on your threadbare garment and think it makes you any better. Some people think they can. They say, well, I'll have bits of Christian ethics. I like, you hear people say, or used to, I like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. I like some of the things in the Bible. I'll have a bit of that. That's like putting a patch of something wonderful on a threadbare old garment. It won't change you. It won't work. It's not enough. You've got to be completely changed. That's the sense of the parable. This garment, this old garment, which is me before conversion, it's not only threadbare, it's stained. It's full of stains. The stains of sin and guilt. The stains of unbelief and cynicism. The stains of disregard for God and serving myself of my own interests. In God's sight, I'm a threadbare and a stained garment. You can't wash it. 
I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to do better. You can't wash it. It's too stained. In those days, the way they washed things, as you no doubt know, is they took them to a place where there was water, a stream or uh, a cistern of some kind, and there would be washing stones, and they would bang the garment on the stone. You could do that all day with this garment. It's still stained. It's a special occasion coming up, a wedding perhaps, or a presentation to somebody. And you've just got this old stained garment. This was a very telling illustration in those days because most people only had one outer garment. Even the middle classes, that's all they could afford. And it's stained. What are you going to do? You haven't got anything to go in. You haven't got anything suitable. What are we talking about? Perhaps you're, you're dying. You're going to meet your God. And what a tragedy for the first time in your life. It dawns on you. I'm scared. How can I meet my God? I'm like a threadbare stained garment. I've never obeyed him. I've never loved him. I've never served him. I've never studied him. How can I go like this? I can't wash. I can't get rid of my guilt and my sin. The illustration is powerful. That's what we're like without forgiveness, without the blessing of Almighty God. This garment is faded. It once had color. It has no color now. It's moth-eaten. Bits are missing. The moths have been at it. There are bits of us missing. You know, as you go through life, all sorts of things happen to you because of sin. Some people, and we're all sinners, however young we are, but some people, when they were young, they were quite kindly. They were quite soft-hearted. They had many agreeable traits. Then they got into their thirties and into their forties and some of those agreeable traits disappeared. And you meet the same person at 50 and if you knew them when you were both youngsters, you find whole components of them have been eroded away by sin, by worldliness, by self-seeking. We all harden. We all become more cynical. We're all changed by our sinful, fallen environment, by the fact that we've smothered our conscience thousands of times down life's passage. It makes us different. This garment is faded and it's moth-eaten. Even values you used to have and you were a sinner then, have disappeared now. You're a bit older, and they're no longer evident. This garment that represents us is hopeless. 
And there's something else about this garment which makes it conspicuously unpleasant. And this happens. And this happens today to some extent, except that people don't keep things long enough very often. But in those days when garments were worn for many years, they got to the point of being stale. And the inevitable stench of being on the body for years and years and years begins to accumulate. Yes, they even smell. And you can't get rid of it. And it's the same with us. It represents us. You can see it in the face. You can see us. The things I've been describing even become visible. Our impatience, our short-temperedness, and all the sins that are within, the secret sins, and the unbelief and the cynicism. Why, that man 30 years ago would listen to the gospel. He won't now. There's the stench of the old garment about him, and it's deep into him. Now, if you try to take a bit of the new garment, the message of Christ, and you tack it onto that old garment, do you know what that makes? A hypocrite. Somebody who's just got a bit of righteousness. They can build up and put on a bit of kindness or a bit of consideration or they can curb something that they do which is wrong. Put on a good exterior to impress but you take a bit of the godly life and that's all you have and it just makes you a hypocrite. That's all. What you need is a new garment. Now listen, friends, the new garment is offered to you. That's the preaching of Christ. He went everywhere preaching, I've mentioned it, repentance and remission of sin. Repent of your sin. Believe in the Messiah. And your sins will be forgiven. And you will receive a new life, a new garment. What is this new garment that you'll receive? Well, it's described in the Bible as a new heart. But the elements of that heart are also described. A new nature. You'll receive from God a new nature which longs for righteousness and is much stronger and better. And alongside it, you receive a newly enlivened conscience. You have a conscience even before you're converted, but it's badly knocked about and it's been silenced and suppressed so many times, it scarcely works at all. But when you're converted to Christ, your conscience is enlivened and you sense the approach of sin within you and coming from outside you, and you resist it. You want to. You seek God's help. You may stumble and fall. You won't be perfect. But how much better a person you'll be. 
and you have a new mind and a new outlook, a new understanding. You can understand the things of God. Your eyes are opened and it's wonderful. You understand the purpose of life and God's revelation in the scripture and the way of salvation. You understand family. You find you've got a bond with fellow Christians because you've had the same work carried out in you as has been carried out in them. And you love God with a new love you never had before. And you have a new joy. And you feel and know that you're a child of God. You instinctively know it. And that's a very powerful sense. We call it assurance of salvation. All these things are the new garment. You really walk with God. And he hears your prayers. And he guides you and blesses you. And coaches you. And he has a purpose for you. These things are wonderful. They're the kindness of God to lost and sinful people when he gives you the new garment. Why don't we want the new garment? Why should we shrink away from the receiving of this new garment? Well, because of our sin bias. If I put on this new garment by repenting of my sin and asking God to give it to me and convert me and change me. If I do all this, I will lose my self-determination. I will surrender my moral liberty to do whatever I want. So we shrink from receiving that garment. What a tragedy. Some people shrink from receiving a new life from God, a new garment, simply because they're scared of what their friends will say. They'll be out of step with their peer group or the people immediately around them or the people they drink with or whatever. And they're frightened of that. Are you going to let fear turn you away from a new life and a new garment? And then there are other people who refuse the new garment simply because they don't see how threadbare and stained and smelling the old one is. Well, you'd recognize it in real life, in material things. If your coat was moth-eaten and threadbare, wouldn't you say, I need another coat, a new coat? But when it comes to our moral and spiritual condition, we often say, no, I've got a few faults. A few faults. When I've rejected God all my life and I've spurned him and slandered him, my creator and my Lord, my ultimate judge, a few faults. Friends, where are we? How are we thinking? And yet we reject the new life, the new garment, because we don't think we need a new one. Just a patch, just a touch, here and there, and no more. Oh, friends, I must come to conclusion, but look at this parable 
No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. It's a new garment. It's everything you need. The new life in Christ is everything you need for now and it's everything you need for eternity. You cannot do without it. It will determine whether you go to heaven or everlastingly into punishment away from God. Have you received the new garment from God? Have you sought it? Have you cried out for it? Have you believed in Christ who alone has purchased it for you? If you're one of those who comes to him in repentance and in faith in him, seeking that garment, you may be sure he has already bought it and paid the price for you on Calvary's cross because he suffered and died on Calvary for everyone in the history of the world who would long for that garment and receive it. The way is clear. It's there for you. A new heart, a new nature, a new conscience, a new spirit, communion with God, a place in heaven, the new garment which Christ alone can give you. It's there. Seek it, friends, with all your heart. Don't rest. Don't give up until he's dealt with you and heard your cry, he is ready to receive everyone who sincerely comes to him. Don't brush this away. The parable is powerful, I believe. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If they do, then both the new becomes torn it's no good to you. It cannot save you if you've only taken a bit. And the piece that was taken out of the new, it's incongruous. It's inappropriate. It just shows up how bad the old really is. That's the parable. Are you clinging? And are you going to cling to the old life in all its state or will you receive the new let's pray together Lord look upon us all we ask and help us this night speak to our hearts oh Lord as the enemy of souls comes to tear this word away from us we pray that thou wilt fix it in our minds and hearts. Show us ourselves and all that thou wilt do for us and bless all who come in sincere faith. We ask it in our Saviour's name for his sake. Amen. <laughs>